When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. War broke out over the weekend. Welcome to Clay and Buck today. Uh, No doubt you've seen and heard and perhaps even seen some of the horrific footage, uh, imagery of the invasion of Israel launched by Hamas. An incursion, if you will, into a, a number of areas. Right now, as we talk to you, we're going to spend a lot of time on this today because it's uh, the biggest conflict that Israel has seen of this kind in 50 years um, since the Yom Kippur War. Uh, you have a, a number of possibilities where this can spiral beyond where it currently, where the conflict currently is. Could become a broader Mideast issue. Could become a global issue. And Clay and I are going to make sense to the degree we can of those possibilities. Um, but it, it was tough this weekend. Uh, it was, it was hard to follow the news. It was one of those moments. It was one of those days where you saw a tremendous viciousness and inhumanity on display from this multi-pronged Hamas assault on the state of Israel. At least 700 Israelis are confirmed dead right now. There have also been nine Americans killed in this. Hamas is holding over 150 hostages right now, and that number is likely going to uh, be raised throughout the course of today. Israel was hit in uh, 22 different locations outside the Gaza Strip by uh, ground attack uh, forces, terrorists, bands of terrorists, along with um, barrages of rockets being fired. Now, Israel is a country that is known for having tremendous security, tremendous capabilities, uh, including a $1 billion barrier 
that has seemed to be largely impenetrable up to this point. This time around, they managed to get through the Israeli barrier. Um, this is a moment, Clay, where we are, people are asking a lot of questions. First of all, the conflict is still ongoing. Hamas is in effectively uh, a death struggle now because I think there's a recognition that the Israeli government is going to try to destroy that entity this time. They have to. That's been the promise from Netanyahu and others. We will have some guests to join us on this as well, including my friend David Ifun, uh, who's an expert on all things Israel at the uh, bottom of this hour. Um, Clay, we know that uh, Iranian security officials helped plan this surprise attack from Hamas. Hamas and Hezbollah, who work together, in their efforts to destroy the state of Israel, have had spokes spokesmen say that is uh, that Iranian involvement was uh, was direct and for weeks leading up to this. Um, what are your biggest takeaways as we see this uh, shocking moment in time and and understand that we're just at the beginning of this? To me, what I keep coming back to, Buck, is this is the biggest intelligence failure since nine eleven. Um. I don't understand how you could have the most – I think if you ask most people listening to us right now, hey, which intelligence agency is the most plugged in to what's going on in their country because they're constantly be trying to be wiped off the map, uh, the map, it would have to be the Mossad, right? They are basically conducting constant surveillance because legitimately the goal – of these Islamic terrorist groups is to wipe Israel off the map. And I think you saw that in the heinous depredations that they inflicted immediately upon this attack, almost 50 years to the day since 1973, when the last time that Israel was under, I I would say, this level of attack. So, one, how did this happen? How did Mossad fail? How did MI6 fail? How did uh, the United States intelligence forces fail? This is thousands of men and weaponry that was mobilized, and somehow we didn't know about this at all. We didn't have any clue that it was going to occur. I know we're still in the middle of the response, but immediately when I woke up on Saturday morning, Buck, and saw all these videos start to go viral of this attack going on, I just couldn't get over how they could have been caught so unaware. And I was actually talking about my wife with it, and we were saying, well, 9-11, and this is a big moment for you because you're from New York, Buck, and this is why you went into the intelligence services when you graduated from college. So I know you spent a lot of time directly trying to attack and respond to what what was done to us. But 9-11, when you compare it to this, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's 19 uh, terrorists, it was an audacious plot, but it didn't necessarily have to involve thousands and thousands of people in order to be executed. The fact that we didn't know this was coming at all and that Israel was caught so unaware and that the world was caught so unaware is scary to me because if you can have an intelligence failure on this level, what other plans are going on? Uh, so that's one. Another part of this, and I'd be curious to get your response on that, is the Biden administration got played on a level that is frankly uh unacceptable. We just gave $6 billion to Iran. And people can say, well, it's not the $6 billion that went to Hamas. 
Well, Iran funds Hamas, and as you said, Buck, in your open, the Wall Street Journal said that Iran basically planned this attack. They knew they were getting this money from the United States, and money is fungible. So if you know you're about to get $10,000 because you're going to get a bonus at the end of the year, you might well decide that you're going to spend $10,000 on something else because you know those funds are coming in. So when they're trying to argue, well, this was not United States money that was in any way involved, I'm sorry, Iran played us because we had last week Secretary Blinken, I believe, saying that the Middle East has never been safer than it is right now, quieter than it is right now. So there are a lot of questions that need to be answered. And I think our intelligence services failed. I think the Biden administration failed. And, Buck, we got war in the Middle East, and we've got war in Europe. I don't know how much more you can point to on foreign policy disasters on the Biden uh, uh, watch. In the in the immediate term, I think the biggest single consideration that everybody is looking at, other than the, how this evolves, this uh, conflict. Remember, Gaza is not a very big place. It's a very densely populated place. Um, but it, it's not a large landmass. So to have effectively a siege of Gaza, uh, which the Israelis are now conducting, cutting off uh, electricity and and effectively going in there and cleaning cleaning house. I mean, which is it, when you see and, you know, we live in this era now. And, and Clay, it was clearly part of the tactics, part of the decision making here was that this was a terrorist invasion. Yes. Or a terrorist incursion, meaning they didn't just go after Israeli military sites. Hamas specifically landed in, in paragliders, for example, at uh, an area that was a, a rave. There was a major party going on, and they just murdered in cold blood, executed entirely innocent people. Here's Clarissa Ward of CNN saying that at this one music festival site, which is near Gaza, uh, 260 Israeli bodies were found. Play nine. What happened just off this quiet border road was a massacre. Organizers of the Supernova Music Festival say that thousands of young revelers had gathered to celebrate the end of the holidays. And just after 6 a.m., Hamas militants launched a bloody attack. Now, a volunteer group that handles human remains says that at least 260 bodies have been found at the festival site. The government here took a bold step, releasing an image of scores of body bags in a tent where investigators were tasked with identifying them. Clay, there were decisions that Hamas made, and this is not surprising to anyone who knows the history of this organization. You know, Hamas is... Uh, the the entity that has pushed for suicide bombings of pizzerias and and you know, mass murder of of all kinds of, of civilians. It is a terrorist organization. Uh, there are other terrorist organizations that have also turned uh, to attack Israel in this whole process. Most notably Hezbollah, but there are others as well. And they're trying to create a sense of a siege right now for the entire Israeli state. But, Clay, the, the decisions that were made in this incursion, uh, this terrorist invasion, were specifically to be as heinous as possible, to terrify people. Um, they were they were executing people in cold blood. They were uh, taking hostages, men, women, children. They simply 
were doing everything in their power to create maximum carnage, chaos, and, and destruction. And you have to take a moment and say, what could they possibly think would be accomplished by this? The Israelis have military superiority. The Israelis are now going to, and absolutely uh, righteously, respond with, with a, a, a fury. Um, this comes out of hatred. I mean, this comes out of a society that praises, elevates, and even gives money to the family of suicide bombers, which is true of Hamas. This comes out of, I know, a very long-standing conflict, but only one side of this uh, equation is uh, aligned with civilization, and that is the Israeli side. I, I think that's super important, and we oftentimes get lost in the fact that there remains evil in the world, and this was evil depredations that were brought forth. I mean, I think that another thing on this buck is the timing. Uh, Saudi Arabia was potentially going to normalize relations with Israel. Uh, that was in the, in the works. I think this was definitely designed to stop that from happening. I think to your point, what Hamas wants is war throughout the Middle East. I think they want to, uh, put Israel, uh, under the, the gun. They want to unite, uh, Islamic opposition to them and, this was a calculated decision on their part. And again, I, I think the U.S. being asleep at the wheel, which unfortunately is a theme of much of the Biden administration. I think I said it was Blinken who said it. My bad. It was actually National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. This is 10 days ago, Buck. Listen to him on an interview say the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. What we said is we want to depressurize de-escalate and ultimately integrate the Middle East region. The war in Yemen is in its 19 month of truce. For now, the Iranian attacks against U.S. forces have stopped. Our presence in Iraq is stable. I emphasize for now because all of that can change. And the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. So, Buck, they set us up. Iran was working, according to the Wall Street Journal, since August to help make this Hamas attack happen. They were simultaneously negotiating a prisoner exchange with the United States and getting $6 billion from the Biden administration. And they made us think all is calm, all is well, and then boom, the biggest terror attack in 50 years in Israel, which everybody is already calling in Israel their version of 9-11. The population of Israel is not substantial. We don't know what the total loss of life and hostages is going to be. But as a percentage of the Israeli population, it's going to be far in excess of the death toll that occurred on 9-11 in the United States. And the possibility of expansion of the conflict in the region is something that is uh, very much at the forefront right now. Specifically, will the Israelis go after Iranians uh, on Iranian soil? And they've already done that to some extent in the past, but... Will they accelerate that kind of a program and try to hold the Iranians who were a part of uh, these efforts to attack Israel responsible? I mean, I, I think that's something that everyone's looking at very closely here. And uh, that's where things can start to get, you know, feel like they're spiraling even further out of control. I mean, when when you start to look at the possibility of dominoes falling into a more regional Mideast war, and there's also the realities that this is going to affect with regard to U.S., uh, well, the U.S. efforts to broker Saudi-Israeli peace, that's going to be uh, harmed by this. The 
effort in Ukraine, whatever one thinks, whatever one may think of our uh, efforts to help in Ukraine, if we have to start supplying munitions or, or providing additional help to Israel, that could come into into play. But it just is is a reminder for everybody that uh, peace is always transient, and I think I expected this weekend to be like so many others, just another weekend, uh, quiet on the global front, and all of a sudden we have the biggest conflict the Israelis have been drawn into in 50 years. So uh, we'll continue to, to look into these uh, these developments, Clay, and, and also I think we'll bring in some of the, uh, the the political ramifications here at home, which is also important. You think about the Biden, I mean, you've, you've mentioned this a few times, but the, the Biden failures go so far and beyond anything um, that I would have even anticipated when they first took charge. And the fact that you have the largest war in the Middle East, since, I'm sorry, in uh, Europe since World War II, and the biggest war with Israel, the biggest uh, conflict unfolding since 1973, um, we've got we've got a very weak foreign policy administration. Very weak indeed. Online identity theft is a silent crime, the damages of which can be devastating. Your personal information gets exposed so often, making it easy for cyber criminals to steal your identity. Once they have it, they can screw up your credit rating, empty your bank account, and even take out loans in your name. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. That's why we recommend LifeLock's online identity theft protection. Their systems look for evidence of wrongdoing in your name and instantly alert you if they detect something. And if you do become a victim, a dedicated U.S.-based LifeLock restoration specialist will work to fix it. I've been the victim of identity theft in the past, and look, let me tell you, having LifeLock saved me so much time and energy. Join now and save 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go online to lifelock.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. It's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock, and the peace of mind is worth every penny. Again, call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go online to lifelock.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You'll get the same quality of service as AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, but for half the cost. The average size family saves almost $1,000 a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can keep your cell phone number and your phone 
or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values, who supports our military and veterans, creates American jobs, and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Go to puretalk.com slash buck to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash buck. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Welcome back in. Joined by our friend David Efoun now. He is the publisher of the New York Sun, also the honorary chair of the Algaminer, which is uh, a journalistic enterprise that focuses on Israel and the Middle East. Uh, David, thanks for being here with us. It's a pleasure, Buck, always to be with you. Unfortunate that it's some so tragic an occasion. First, uh, David, can you tell us how, how is it? I mean, inside of Israel, and when you're speaking to your sources about what's gone on here, the the surprise attack of this scale. What are the explanations for how this could have happened and and caught? Uh, Israeli intelligence and security forces, which are among the best in the world, off guard in this way? I mean, look, there's no question that there will be uh, an investigation and, and a reckoning. I mean, there are so many questions that people have around the country. There is pain, but also frustration and anger. It's hard, really, to to describe the scale of, of of the devastation. You know, it's been compared to Israel's 9/11. Um, but just to give you just to give you a sense on a comparative basis, you know, there are what 330 million Americans. There are only nine million Israelis. So, with 800 confirmed deaths now, you know, that would be the equivalent of. 30,000 Americans if an attack would, would have taken place um, of a similar scale in, in this country. Um, it's, it's, it's um, you know, not just the attack itself, but, you know, the ongoing nature of it. You have hundreds of, of captives that were taken into Gaza, children among them, toddlers. They're being taunted in the streets. Um, the nation of Israel, the heart of Israel, is broken and bleeding, although I would say, you know, as the great Hasidic master Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kosk once said, uh, there is nothing more whole than a broken heart. And what you've seen in response to this atrocity 
as a unification of the country in a way that we haven't seen for so long. It's, it's a nation that is singularly focused on supporting the victims um, and, and, and setting about establishing a framework in which this can never happen again. And the Prime Minister has spoken very clearly. There's an operation that is due to be launched. The goal is to remove the military capacity from Hamas and to remove Hamas from control of the territory in Gaza. So right now, thank you for coming on, Gaza is the focus. Buck and I are already talking about, according to Wall Street Journal, Iran helped to plan this and gave the go-ahead to Hamas for this attack. Is a response to Iran also going to follow and be included in your mind as well as what's going on right now in Gaza and what risks and challenges does Iran's inclusion in this terror attack plan make in the larger Israeli response? I mean, Iran is absolutely central to it. You know, certainly the Israelis have the more immediate focus of securing their border. But they know that uh, the hand is the hand of Hamas, but the uh, but the brain and the funds and the fuel are coming straight from the Ayatollahs. You know, uh, the first book that Prime Minister Netanyahu ever wrote in the 80s, just a couple of years after his brother Yonatan was killed during the Entebbe raid in an effort to rest, successful effort to rescue hostages. The first book that he wrote is called Fighting Terrorism. It was, you know, really a blueprint that came to be studied by law enforcement agencies around the world uh, of how best to counter terrorism, terrorist agencies, terrorist organizations, terrorist efforts. And one of the fundamental principles that he points to there is the danger of having territory controlled by terror groups. You know, it gives them the space, it gives them the the breadth to, to plan and to launch attacks from. And what's happened, you know, over the years in Israel is that on three of Israeli borders, the Iranians have set up uh, many terror states. In the, the southwest, you have Gaza. In the north, you have Lebanon, southern Lebanon, where Hamas controls territory. And then on the Syrian border, um, there's a great deal of Iranian activity over there. So, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu knows first and foremost just how dangerous it is to allow the terrorists to control territory but he also knows uh, just this, how central the role that iran plays is and you know i'm sure that they have their own calculations about how and when they might go about this but certainly a, a message that would be heard across the region is that is if israel saw this as an opportunity um, to target the iranian nuclear pro- program which, you know, is the crown jewel for the Ayatollah regime and also the, uh, the the most dangerous threat that Israel places on the planet. We're speaking to David Afun, publisher of the New York Sun. Um, David, is it now on, on Netanyahu and the IDF to not just uh, fight back and, and find those who are um, guilty of this, but to take this even further and and push for the effectively the uh, dismantling and eradication of Hamas overall. I mean, the Israelis know that uh, there's only one way to sort of to solve this issue once and for all. I mean, since the Israeli pullout from Gaza, uh, which I 
actually protested in 2005 as it was taking place on the ground. Um, this Hamas has, has taken control of the Gaza Strip. That was just a couple of years later. And it has become the launch pad for one attack after the next. The Israelis know that, you know, they can sort of conduct an operation, but they will always be living at risk of, of similar attacks. There's only one way to stop it once and for all, and that is really to retake control of that territory. You know, it's been the case throughout Israel's existence that any territory that has been ceded to terror groups or even ceded to groups that aren't ostensibly terror groups have been uh, have, have lost control to terror groups and have become controlled by terror groups and have become the launch pad for attacks on, on Israeli civilians. It's why, even though the Biden administration and some in the international community still talk about the land for peace doctrine and the two-state solution as being the only path forward, every Israeli knows that land for peace is the most dangerous uh, equation that they that they might consider and that the attacks that they face over the last couple of days, are precisely the product of that flawed thinking. So the question is how much land, uh, how much territory Israel will need to control um, to be safe and to stop the flow of weapons and to uh, know that with certainty that Gaza can no longer become the launch pad for attacks on Israeli civilians. Will it be the entire Gaza Strip? Will it be um, a demilitarized zone of a mile or more surrounding the Gaza Strip? Um, obviously, it's just the Israeli commanders and, and the security cabinet that are going to be discussing those details now. Um, but I'm sure we'll see soon enough uh, what the approach that they'll be taking is. We know that Hamas will put their weaponry and their soldiers in places that oftentimes has civilians, sometimes children, because they like the opportunity to one, dissuade attacks, but also if they happen to make it look like innocent civilians are being targeted by Israel. I would imagine, given the fact that there are hundreds of hostages that are currently in Gaza that we know were taken, that those hostages will be used in some way as human shields also. Do we have any sense for how well Israeli intelligence can have any of that information as they are making decisions about where to attack? I mean, they'll certainly be working in overdrive, and what you're saying is is exactly correct. I mean, it's it's the most cynical use of of civilians in 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 you know any war, theater theater of war. Um, the Israelis will certainly want to take that into consideration, and you know they've sort of got to balance um, these tricky moral questions with the the bigger overall objectives and 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 the needs to 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 secure the Israeli South for the future. And the, and the Israeli homeland. I mean, you know, it's not a situation that you want to be in having to, 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 to tackle these, these types of questions. You know, another thing that's never reported is that, you know, when, when Palestinian terrorists fire rockets out of Gaza into Israel, a very large, large percentage of them fall short and they land in Gaza and they kill Gazans. Remember, you don't have air raid sirens, you don't have bomb shelters in Gaza. You know, what happens is you've got the Gaza Health Ministry, which is, you know, really a vehicle. It's controlled by it's a vehicle for Hamas as well that becomes the only source of information on casualties in Gaza. And the international community starts to, starts to ask questions. And, you know, they'll, they'll count any uh, casualty in Gaza for any reason as, as being one that was that Israel was responsible for. So, 
you know, all of these deaths from their own rockets that fall short, they'll blame on Israel. If, God forbid, a child falls off a swing in a playground and, and, and you know, get, you know, gets injured or, or killed as a result of that, they'll blame that on Israel. Um, and the international community doesn't ask any questions. And not only that, you know, they, they, they'll take these numbers at, at, at face value um, and they'll take the accusation that Israel is responsible at face value. And, you know, over a period of time, you know, the effect that that has is that the pressure starts to build on Israel. Um, and, you know, increasingly, it's, it's harder for Israel to take the steps and the actions it needs to take to, dep- to defend its, its citizens and its, and its civilians. So, you know, certainly um, being able to present accurately what's taking place to understand the steps that the Israeli military is taking to prevent civilian casualties in the most difficult climate, you know, is crucial to ensuring, you know, the broadest possible international support for an absolutely necessary operation, necessary not just to prevent further bloodshed in Israel, but also to prevent further bloodshed in Gaza. David, um, before we let you go, the concern about this becoming a a broader fight, um, some of the other entities perhaps getting more into it, like uh, Hezbollah and, and others in the immediate region, but also specifically Iran getting drawn into this more than it already is. H- how do you weigh that possibility? I mean, it's certainly always always a possibility. And, uh, you know, just to give you the scale of how the Israeli military leadership is thinking about this, they have um, now drafted 300,000 reservists. That's on top of regular army of 150,000. So, uh, you know, you're talking about a country of 9 million. So 5% of the entire country has been mobilized. Um, and the mobilization like this is not just about Gaza. It's certainly with the understanding that there could be multiple fronts um, that Israel needs to be, that needs to be, needs to be active on and to be prepared for, for all possibilities and all eventualities. You know, I spoke to a young mother in central Israel. Um, earlier today, and she told me there are no men here. You know, it's just women and children. This is in a, you know, small town in, in middle Israel. Uh, schools are all closed indefinitely. Um, daycare centers are all closed indefinitely. This is a, an entire country at war, mobilized and at war to defend its borders. David, thank you very much for giving us this update. We'll hope to talk to you again soon as this process continues. Anytime, Buck. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been delivering on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes. Heroes who put their lives on the line to protect our country and our communities. Heroes like Bristol, Connecticut Police Sergeant Dustin DeMonte. After responding to a domestic violence incident, he sustained a fatal gunshot wound. He left behind his expectant wife and two children. Thanks to the generosity of people like you, Tunnel the Towers paid the mortgage of the DeMonte family home, lifting a financial burden. As his loved ones mourn the decorated officer's loss, they welcomed a miracle, the child he would never get to meet. So many families need your help. Please help America's heroes and their young families. Join Tunnel the Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. 95 cents out of every dollar you donate goes to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnels the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T. 
Org. Geek out with the guys on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. A new episode every Sunday. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show and Update. The numbers just keep getting worse. Now over 900 uh, Israelis killed in the Hamas terror attack um, as the death continues um we'll keep you updated on this and awful news as well a spokesperson for hamas says that they may begin to execute israeli hostages live on television soon we don't know how many hostages they have nine americans so far have been reported dead there are potentially american hostages in this group as well we know that they have hundreds of hostages uh, so this is an ongoing awful disaster. We should also mention that the White House said the commander in chief, Joe Biden, is not going to be making any statements that he had finished his work day at noon Eastern. Right. As we came on the air, they put a so-called lid, uh, meaning there are no further public events scheduled in Joe Biden's day. Uh, and it is true that Barack Obama who has over, I believe, 130 million Twitter followers, has not said one word about this terror attack. Usually, he is quick to jump into any political fray using that Twitter account. He has been silent since the invasion began on Saturday. You usually, from people like uh, Obama, Biden, and and others on the Democrat side, you get a... A call for a call for calm and and a both sidesism, right? That's yes. What they it's usually you know what we really need is for both sides to recognize that violence is not and and in a situation like this, Clay, I think a, a lot of those top level Democrat names recognize this is not not the moment for you know not the moment for both sides ism. This is not the moment to say something along those lines. There are members of the United States Congress, I might add, who are effectively tweeting out just pro-Palestinian stuff. I mean, you know, even in the midst of this and, and what you're going to see now as the casualties rise. I mean, this is what happens in these, in these circumstances as the casualties rise in Gaza, which they're going to because of the Israeli counterattack. You're going to see more and more criticism from the left, from the commies in this country about disproportionate use of force by Israel, war crimes by Israel. It's the same thing. Clay, it's the same playbook every time. So that is going on. I'm actually, and I wonder, uh, Buck, are you surprised by this too? I understand RFK Jr. was planning to announce that he was going to run as an independent on this day. I think Mediaite broke the story, if I remember correctly, like 10 days ago, that he was going to announce on this Monday, and he did, and we'll play the audio for you momentarily. Nobody's paying attention to it because all of the focus right now is on Israel, but we want to update you certainly on the 2024 electoral politics associated with this. But before we do, are you surprised, Buck, that he announced today? If I were advising him, I would have said, this is not the day to do it. Yeah. So to me... Maybe there were some things in motion. Maybe there were some mechanisms at work here that 
you know? Uh, yeah. But, but to me, I, I don't think so. Yeah, it's very strange to me. Um, here is RFK Jr. I believe we have a couple of different cuts from his announcement. We want to keep you guys updated on this. He's announcing that he's going to run as an independent. Let's play cuts. Uh, we're playing back to back, maybe so. 27 and 28. This is his announcement that he just made in the last hour or so. We do face a decaying infrastructure and record levels of suicide, depression, addiction, chronic disease. We do face an entrenched political corruption and an inequality of wealth not seen in a century. But the good news is that people like yourselves, are finally fed up. Something is stirring in us that says it doesn't have to be this way. People stop me everywhere at airports, at hotels and malls on the street, and they remind me that this country is ready for a history-making change. They are ready to reclaim their freedom, their independence. And, And that's why I'm here today. I'm here to declare myself an independent candidate. tyranny of corruption, which robs us of affordable lives, our belief in the future, and our respect for each other. But to do that, I must first declare my own independence. Independence from the Democratic Party and from all other political parties. So that I can stand before you, as every leader should, should stand before you, free of partisan allegiance. Free from the free from the backroom deals, a servant only to my conscience, to my creator, and to you. Well, what does this mean for the election, Clay? You you've been bringing this up. We've been talking about yep. the possibility of a third party here and and what that would do. Um, now we don't know because there are dynamics that still have to play out in the general election and assuming it is trump biden which i know not everyone does including a lot of people listening to us right now let's just be clear it it seems indicative it seems to me at least the indications are that rfk jr would be taking more votes from trump than he would from biden if the election were let's say held tomorrow and rfk jr has said that himself so while we sit here and do all of this analysis and have all these discussions about, you know, Trump policies and Biden policies and, and the criminal uh, allegations and all this stuff, at the end of the day, RFK Jr. could end up being the difference maker here one way or the other. Yeah. And, and it's not just RFK Jr. we should, uh, assess. Cornell West is running. He's not going to be on the Green Party. I don't know whether he'll be able to get on the ballot or not. I'm not an expert in the difficulties associated with getting on as an independent candidate in all 50 states. I am told that that is a very big challenge to be able to accomplish. So just because somebody is running doesn't mean that they're going to get on the ballot. But Cornell West is also running. Buck, my concern, my concern is that No Labels, which is a well-funded third party, that has been kicking around the idea of Joe Manchin as the nominee. I'm concerned that they're going to run um, Larry Hogan, the Republican governor from Maryland, and that that will be a calculated attempt to attack uh, the ability of Donald Trump to win. Because my concern is the same as yours, that RFK Jr. is going to steal more Trump supporters than he is Biden supporters. 
In other words, that RFK Jr. is good for Biden. My concern is that Maryland, former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan would also do that. That these are people who will pull off the soft Trump support or that so-called never Trump community, much like the libertarians did. But 13 months out, Buck, I think, I mean, this Israel story is a perfect example. We thought you and I did. We would come in on Monday and our lead story would be probably the decision of who the Speaker of the House is going to be. Nobody cares all of a sudden about who the Speaker of the House is going to be. And secondarily, that our lead story would be RFK Jr. And then Saturday, early morning in the United States, we have the slaughter of tons of innocents. They're now saying, Buck, over 900 dead, 260 bodies found at a freaking music festival where they were slaughtered by barbarian terrorists. And that's the story, right? So as we sit here 13 months out, and by the way, even as we get closer, in 2020, as you well know, up until March, everybody thought that the story, uh, that COVID was not even going to be emerging as right. a primary story. Well, so what happens between now and then is so crazy, it's hard to even forecast because yes. there are so many unknowns. That's what I've been saying for a while, man. A lot can change, and this is why when we say you know, that that there's indicators that Trump is likely to be the Republican nominee. We don't know. It hasn't happened yet because a lot of things can still happen. Uh, you're starting to see people be concerned about what oil prices are going to do. Yeah. There's some kind of a Mideast oil shock. Well, guess what? Given the very high debt levels that people have, household debt, mortgages, all the stuff that's going on right now, high interest rates, high cost of living, people unable to afford things, putting more and more on credit cards, you get an oil sh- uh, shock, you throw that into the mix as well, and guess what? You could have the beginning of a recession. And what does that do to the political landscape? Not just for the Republican uh, primary, but, or I'm sorry, the general election, both of them, but for uh, down-ballot races as well, as well. So it's a long race, friends, right, Clay? That's the, the bottom line. It is a long race. No doubt. Um, and And in the short term, trying to analyze all of this, is crazy because Buck, here's the here's the one thing I would say. I still feel like, unfortunately, given the ages of both Trump and Biden, you have to seriously analyze. At any point, something bad could happen. I I got it. Look, yeah. I didn't even tell you this. I got a text just a few minutes ago. My dad is 79, or he's going to be 79 in uh, in a week. He just went to the emergency room. He's. Oh, man, I, it sorry. looks like he's going to be okay, but. I mean, and so I've been texting with my mom to try to figure out how that's going to be. As everybody out there knows, health conditions when you are in your upper 70s can come out of nowhere. He he suddenly got ill, and my mom had to take him in, and they're, they're looking at him. And she thinks everything's going to be okay, but he had a fever. He had all sorts of things that suddenly emerged. I, again, when you're 75 or 79 or 80, these things happen, and they come out of nowhere, and, I mean, it's just, I, I feel bad for our country in many ways that there are so many things going so awful right now. And I feel that, and I know you do too, Buck, everywhere I go, there's just so many people who say, this is not what America should be. And everywhere you look, bad things are happening. And I feel like much of the news that we're going to get over the next 13 months, unfortunately, is not going to be positive. That's just the the vibe that I have, and I think a lot of you feel it as well. 
Come back here in just a second. Take some of your calls, 800-282-2882. Are you on a fixed income? You're likely interested in an investment that delivers consistent returns without compromising your financial security. Phoenix Capital Group offers high-yield corporate bonds with annual returns of 9 to 13% paid out monthly. With 3,000-plus satisfied investors paid on time every time, Phoenix Capital Group is providing investors a new high-yield option investing in domestic energy assets. Starting at $5,000, you can earn 9% annual interest with a three-year term Reg A-plus offering paid monthly. Start earning these high yields and learn more about multiple offerings today at phxonair.com. Learn more by downloading the free investment packet today, phxonair.com. You can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 13% annual interest. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today. Subscribe to CNB 24-7 and never miss a minute of Clay and Buck while getting behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You'll get the same quality of service as AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, but for half the cost. The average size family saves almost $1,000 a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can keep your cell phone number and your phone or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values, who supports our military and veterans, creates American jobs, and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Go to puretalk.com slash clay to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash clay. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix 
hidden errors. So you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We are joined now in studio by Senator Rand Paul. He's got a great book that is out tomorrow, I believe. That's right. Um, and we will talk about that book at the bottom of this hour. But, Senator, you just came through some of the chaos going on in New York City. It's Columbus Day. There's a lot of different parades. But we were just talking. There's also a rally going on right now that is pro-Palestine, uh, celebrating the terror attack that happened on Saturday and that continues to be going on in Israel right now. Uh, what were your thoughts, Senator, when you saw this news come out Saturday? How do you think the Biden administration has responded so far? How would you assess what you have been able to glean so far uh, from this? You know, it's kind of hard to imagine anybody who thinks that their political views are furthered by killing innocent women and children. Um, seeing those images over there, it, it, it loses any possible sympathy anybody could have for these people. And, uh, there are other complicated issues, but when you see young women who've been murdered and raped and now people have been kidnapped, kids that have been taken, 260 kids. My kids have all gone to these music festivals over in the U.S. I can't imagine just somebody going through with automatic weapons, no killing everybody there, innocent, unarmed people. And really, it's just, to me, it's despicable and evidence of just, you know, cowardness. You know, I mean, this isn't going into war and fighting for some cause you believe in. What kind of despicable person kills women and children and unarmed people? I mean, no sympathy at all from me, and I just don't see how anybody will give them any sympathy. Senator Paul, to what degree do you think the U.S. Uh, may have a role to play in helping our ally Israel in dealing with Hamas? He's asking, uh, I don't think the audio is turned up for Senator right now, uh, but he asked you, what sort of role do you think the United States should have uh, going forward in terms of dealing with Hamas from your perspective? Well, you know, we've had a long-standing role with Israel. It goes back, you know, 30, 50 years or more. And I think that continues. And I think when people start looking for things in the midst of a crisis, they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, we've already done lots for decades. And so I would venture to say that Israel is probably one of the most well-stocked munitions country in the world. I think they're adequately prepared for this. But I don't think it's sort of like, oh, let's give them $20 billion or something. Let's give them $50 billion because really it's about being smart about it. And in the end, they're already comparing this to 9-11. We were the best equipped military, the strongest uh, soldiers, strongest army in the world. And we got attacked on 9-11. So it's going to be figuring out the vulnerability of what happened. People are already talking about where was the failure in intelligence. And I know we share a lot of intelligence with the Israelis. All of those things of cooperation I'm for. Um I just kind of hate it as much as I have nothing but the utmost sympathy if everybody says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What can we give them? Because we've bankrupted our damn country, giving it to everybody on the planet. And it's not that I don't have sympathy. I do. And I want to help and I want to be helpful. But I hope it's not just sort of let's open the spigots and just, you know, drain the coffers. When you see that we since 9-11, 22 years ago, some odd, have had the failure that we did. You just mentioned it. Doesn't it just stagger you that over a thousand terrorists could enter into Israel and rain holy hell down upon so many Israeli people and that none of us saw this coming? 
You know, I guess I, the opposite surprises me. You know, we have two big oceans, and we do have people within us that might infiltrate and cause a problem. They're right next to like a million people. I don't know people, how many people live in Gaza, but yeah. a lot of people live in Gaza on the Strip. Um, they're right next to them all the time. They're right next to the West Bank all the time. They're right next to eight other countries that have been at various times at war with. So it actually, to me, is uh, more surprising how good a job they do most of the time. Yeah. And that this is, is, is tragic and it's unusual, but it's like they live, and they, they will tell you this, when you visit Israel, they live amidst and in a dangerous world every day of their lives. Senator Paul, we'll be back with you to talk about the new book you've got out, The Lies That Dr. Fauci Has Spread and What You Think Should Happen Going Forward. According to one of the most trusted writers in the digital currency arena, Tika Tiwari, there's a new type of artificial intelligence that could help you make 25 times your money in the markets in 60 days or less. Tika Tiwari partnered with an AI scientist who developed the same type of AI that is used in the world's best-selling electric vehicle. His team was able to develop his first ever AI-powered crypto trading system. They've abbreviated it with the letters C-O-N-A-N, as in Conan, and filed a provisional patent application for the technology involved. If you want to know more about it, Tika is ready to give you all the details in a special briefing this coming Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern online. Remember this website, Conan2023.com, to sign up for this free event. 60 days from now, your financial life could be completely different. Conan2023.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. All right, welcome back in. We're joined by Senator Rand Paul. He's in studio with Clay in New York City. I want to talk to him about his book, Deception, the Great COVID Cover-Up, uh, a topic that Clay and I are still very interested in, are, are not giving up as a, as a subject matter that I know a lot of Democrats, a lot of Biden Biden voters and uh, and others don't really want to get to the answers here. Senator Paul certainly does. Um, talk to us first and foremost, Senator Paul, about, I mean, I know you get into this in the book, but the process that you went through to see that the COVID virus was, in fact, likely the product of gain-of-function research. You know, at first I sort of took the word of Fauci and others who said it came from animals. I knew that the first SARS virus had come from animals. They tested animals, civets, and they found antibodies in the virus in the in the animals. They tested the animal handle, handlers, and they had antibodies. It all sort of fit together like a puzzle. But then this time, they tested 80,000 animals from both the market and across China. No animal had COVID, so they couldn't find an animal. They couldn't find humans that had had it. Typically, if it's coming from animals, it has to try multiple times because it's adapted for animals, not for humans. So that it tries to infect a human and infects Buck Sexton, but it's not very contagious, and it just dies in your body and it doesn't affect another person. It has to do this over and over until it gets lucky enough to mutate to be infectious in humans, not just in the animals. We didn't find any of that. With the first one, we did find that it was very sluggish. With with COVID, we found that it hit, it hit humans and boom, 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 and infected everybody like that. And there was a, a doctor from MIT who wrote a book called Viral, Alina Chan. And in it, she says that basically the virus looks like it was pre-adapted, pre-adapted in a laboratory to become infectious. It didn't have to do the normal evolution in humans. It was already set to infect humans when it got to us. We're talking to Senator Rand Paul. He's here in studio in New York. The book is Deception, the Great COVID Cover-Up. I got an early copy of this book. And I just dove in. Uh, and so I'm encouraging all of you out there to go read this book. There were many things that I, because it was such a chaotic time, 
there were many things that I had forgotten about the March 2020 uh, universe. For instance, that you got COVID super early, that everybody tried to blame you. You then started working in a local hospital to help COVID patients because you knew the impact of natural immunity, and there were so few people who'd already had it. Your wife went to the mail and she got a letter that was addressed to your house that you were concerned was anthrax because it had a powder in it. I forgot about all that. And that everybody decided they wanted to mock you, including Stephen Colbert. I read through so much of this and I just thought to myself, I can't even remember all of this happening. I just hit you with a lot of details. But take us back to March of 2020, some of the crazy things that happened to you and your family, including... Your son's coming back, I believe, from Duke and staying in the house. One of their foreign exchange uh, a kid, I think, was from China, couldn't get back home. I mean, this was all chaotic and crazy. So it's amazing that Twitter will take you down if you say that masks don't work or the vaccine isn't necessarily for kids or if COVID came from a lab. Twitter Facebook will take you down. But if someone on Twitter says that they wish the guy who broke six of my ribs from attacking me from behind, punctured my lung, caused me to have part of my lung removed, that isn't that sound like it's inciting violence? Twitter, Twitter didn't take any of that down. Then Stephen Colbert thought it was funny. And so what we got was a, a letter in the mail. Kelly, I was in Washington. She gets a letter in the mail and it has a picture of me with a broken neck and says, this is what needs to happen to you next. But then it's full of, she thought, felt like sand or powder. And your wife is in here right now. I mean, she just goes to the mailbox and that is what, that's the, the level of anger and vituperative nature that you were dealing with yeah and most of hollywood just thinks it's hilarious they still think it's hilarious they say we wish his neighbor would come and finish the job i was attacked from behind broke six ribs lungs filling up with fluid had to have part of my lung taken out i was sick i was coughing up blood for a year and a half i was sick for a long time racked with pain and they just think it's hilarious then what do they do the right they accuse us of somehow being insensitive trump of being insensitive trump supporters and it's like well, you know, I almost died from an injury, and they think it's hilarious. And Stephen Colbert actually had some second-rate musician on there, both of them just guffawing about how hilarious it is that I was attacked and that somebody should come back and finish the job. So, no, I mean, between that and them accusing me of you know swimming in the gym pool and trying to kill all these old senators and everything, and it's like, you know, I came back, and I said the right thing to do is I can help people, even as a physician – it's going to be hard for me to make the decisions because I don't work in the hospital. But I said, I'm willing to do what the nurses do and the orderlies do. If you have to rotate somebody, many of the people on the ventilator they found did better. None of them did great, but they did better if you rotated them onto their stomach and to their back. But if it's a big old guy in there and he's on the ventilator with the tube in his trachea, it takes like six people to do it. I figure, you know what, if I can go in the room, it's one less person, and I've already had it. I already have immunity. And not one person blinked an eye at the hospital. Not one of them said, oh, my goodness, you don't have immunity. Of course, this was before the vaccine, too. But nobody blinked an eye. Everybody assumed I had I had immunity until I got back to Washington, and I had all these snot-nosed 20-year-old reporters with four masks and goggles and all this stuff. They're not at risk for the disease. Look at the statistics, people. You're not at risk. But I had them saying, you don't know. You don't know you have immunity. I said, well, you don't know. I don't have immunity. It's like, what science courses did you take? What background do you have in science? And this is what we were riddled with was, you know, young liberal reporters with not an ounce of scientific sense telling us that uh, they knew what was right for us. And by golly, we better listen to them or they'll put us in jail. Speaking to Senator Rand Paul, he is the author of a new book, Deception, the Great COVID Cover-Up. Accountability 
for this, Senator Paul. Um, the closest thing that I think we've gotten to accountability for all this is the, the number of times where you were able to grill Fauci and he was, you know, Senator Paul, it is, this is not personal. It's not about you and me. And, you know, I represent science. That was about the extent of the accountability that we've seen so far. Do you think that there's a way we can get further than that? And I'm not, it's not so much about, oh, we need to punish people or lock people up or something, but can we at least get it on the record? I mean, even as of uh, earlier this year, I remember I went to a, I went to a hospital down here for routine, you know, blood work in Miami and they made me mask up. Yeah, most people think that when you're trying to prove a cover-up that the other side will just deny, deny, deny. However, in this case, I think more thoroughly than I've ever seen, the debunking or the proof of the conspiracy, the proof of the cover-up, are in the actual words of those who are covering up. It's all been gotten through federal court order, through Freedom of Information Act. We now have Fauci. You saw him in committee yelling and screaming at me, I have never funded gain-of-function research. I have unequivocally never funded gain-of-function research in China. We now have an email that he summarizes on February 1st of 2020 where he says, we're suspicious because the virus looks like it's been manipulated, but we're also doubly suspicious because we know they do gain-of-function research there. He doesn't say we fund it, but we know he funds it because we found the, the paper trail. So they funded this. It was dangerous. But then what we reveal in the book is it's worse than that. Not only did they know it, there was a committee set up to study the safety of these viruses. He purposely went around the committee. And he actually admitted this in the testimony when I cross-examined him. He said, oh, all of my experts, dozens of them up and down, have looked at this and said there's no gain of function. Well, if that's true, where's the conversation? Who recorded these conversations, these deliberations? And that should have been the deliberations before the committee. But he didn't. He did an end run around the safety committee. And if we ever find the documents, which I'm sure they're still hiding, that has him signing off on they don't need any kind of scrutiny, it's not gain of function, then we have him dead to rights is probably making the worst scientific judgment, the worst medical decision maybe in modern history. How far do you think this goes? Fauci, I think, if you look at the evidence, lied to you under oath. I mean, I think there's perjury there. Do you think this was a Fauci-originated lie, but based on his feeling like he was culpable, given American taxpayer dollars to Wuhan and all of those things? Or do you think this goes above Dr. Fauci, as you're now seeing reports about his relationship with the CIA, potentially? Where does this all go in your mind? I always thought Fauci was the top of the food chain and there wasn't anybody above him. But I'm starting to have a little bit of doubt that there is someone else or more than one other person. The reason is when you read the, the Slack email, the summary of the February 1st, 2020 conversation, he summarizes it in his words. And at that point, he doesn't have any bias against the lab leak. And he doesn't seem to have any bias that they're not doing a gain of function. He's not in cover-up mode yet. But somehow between February 1st and February 2nd or 3rd, something happens. So I'm trying to get his log for his visits to the CIA. I want to know if he met with anybody on February 2nd or 3rd. I also want his phone calls. Because if he went to the CIA, I want to know who it is at the CIA that's telling him, hold on here. We don't want the truth. It's more important that we have good relations with China. We have a lot of money going back and forth. A lot of people are getting rich in this stuff. We need to make sure that happens. And we, it's not the truth we care about. It's good relations with China that we care about. We do know that inspector generals have looked at the analyst in the CIA 
and they came to the conclusion that they were suppressing any evidence that this came from the lab because they felt it was consistent with things Trump was saying. The hatred for Trump was such that they had to mark down the analysis because it looked like it might support his feelings or, or utterances saying that this was a Chinese virus. Senator Rand Paul, everybody, go get a copy of his book, which is just out now, Deception, The Great COVID Cover-Up. And uh, Senator Paul, great to hang out with you. Well, Clay got to hang out with you. I got to talk to you. But uh, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, Mrs. Paul, our regards to you as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I encourage you too, Buck. This book is really fantastic. Uh, go check it out. Make sure that you get a copy because it's important to get the truth out there. And we're basically, as well as I know you, Senator Paul, writing the first draft of history in many ways for what will be covered for decades and probably hundreds of years into the future, how we responded here. Senator yep. Paul probably doesn't even know that I, I say sometimes I think he'd be a great president. So It's you true. Know, there you go. Well, you know, if I could get just about 50 million more of you, I'd be, I'd be right there. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, by the way, um, it would have been a lot better to have you uh, helping to lead some of this response on COVID based on all the screw-ups we had than the vast majority of the people who ended up there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, look, do you have a large stockpile of old videotapes stored away somewhere? What about old family photo uh, albums? Wear and tear a time, slowly degrading that old media. Soon those precious memories, they'll fade away. You can do something about it, though. You can get the help of Legacy Box. This is a company in my home state of Tennessee, down in my mom's hometown of Chattanooga. When it comes to print photos you developed decades ago, did you know those things fade? They certainly do. You can get them digitized for eight cents a picture. I'll do the math for you. That means if you have a couple of thousand pictures out there that you want to preserve your family memories, you can get them digitally transferred for less than 150 bucks. That's a heck of a uh, Christmas gift. That's a heck of a family memento that you can preserve forever. They do all this by hand. They take great care of your photos, give you all the originals back. And as the world's largest digitizer of original photos, you can trust them to get your entire collection of photos from your family preserved forever digitally. Visit LegacyBox.com slash Clay to get the first 200 photos scanned for just $19.95. Less than 20 bucks. That's incredible. Take advantage of the offer today. New photo service made available from our friends at Legacy Box. Preserve your family's past for as low as seven cents per photo. That is incredible. LegacyBox.com slash Clay. One more time. LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Download and use the new Clay and Bucket. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Use your CNB 24-7 subscription to get access to the guys. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young kids, builds specially adapted smart homes for severely injured veterans, and is working to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He has never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms, nor the efforts of his first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel of Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 